On the verge of moving on to the NBA Finals, we're joined by Rowan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrated to talk about the national perception of Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolster's impact in the playoffs, and the latest updates on Kevin Love on Tyler Hero. It's another playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Mel Goldberg, here with David Mill and Rohan Metcarney from Sports Illustrated joining us today. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, Rowan, you're in Miami now to cover Heat Celtics. We're going to talk about Eric Spolster's coaching job in these playoffs. We're going to get an update on Tyler Hero and Kevin Love in a minute. But first, I want to start with this. I have a theory after watching these playoffs, reading and listening to a ton of different perspectives. I think Jimmy Butler is the most universally appreciated superstar in the NBA. That doesn't mean overrated or underrated. It has nothing to do with Miami being overlooked as contenders. But the conversation around Jimmy Butler specifically, every fan base, every talking head, every analyst, writer, podcaster loves this guy. They love the trash talk. They love how he backs it up, uh, how he plays on both ends. And I just think it's one of those things that's easy to appreciate. People love dudes to just go out and play hard, right? They act like they care, and then they go and win, and he's done all of that. Uh, he's not too cool for school. He's, he's, he's not out here saying losing in the first round isn't a failure. He's not <laughs> pining to win MVP. He's not complaining to the refs instead of getting back on defense. Fans of basketball love that kind of stuff, especially because most of our stars these days just don't act like it. Uh, it's a big reason people love Jordan, Kobe. And Jimmy Butler is just going over that same playbook. Am I right or wrong, Rohan? Well, I have a different theory, Wes, but it gets to the same point because I think Jimmy is incredibly well-respected. And I think the point you're getting to is he doesn't have the, the detractors other high-caliber players have, right? Like Giannis yep. has detractors, Joel Embiid, Jokic, you name it. All these guys are criticized greatly when they don't succeed in the playoffs, are criticized when they don't win titles, are criticized when they don't come through for their teams. I think Jimmy Butler is in a unique position in which he has maximized his talent. Mm -hmm. And if he were a little bit better of a basketball player, I think he would get the same criticism as some of those other guys. That's he would right. get the honest criticism. He would get the Embiid criticism. But he, he he kind of just comes right up to that line of superstar. Because in the regular season, I think it was Nick Wright who tweeted out this stat. Over the last four years, Jimmy leads the NBA in 35-point playoff performances. But in the regular season, it's the same number of 35-point games as Terry Rozier. So what Jimmy is, is has managed to craft is this like playoff persona where that doesn't exist. Yeah. He's so competitive and people definitely love that. I think people love his personality. They, they absolutely love the competitiveness. They love that he trash talks, whether he's winning or losing. We saw down six to drew holiday getting in his face, but he's almost blessed with the fact that he's not 10% more talented because if he were 10% more talented, he might be getting the criticism. Jason Tatum is getting, we get the no ring stuff. The no yes, ring stuff. he absolutely would. But because I think people have seen 
And this is a guy who was, you know, what was he, the last pick of the draft or last pick of the first round? Last pick of the first round. Last pick of the first round. A defender, his first couple years in the league. It truly, uh, by sheer force of will, turned himself into the player he is today. Was not heralded. Um, Yeah, but he's almost like, if he were 10% better, I think he'd be getting that criticism that other guys get but i think what people have seen is he's he's maximized his talent he's he's squeezed every ounce of competitive juice uh from his body and i think people respect him for that what do you think david because i think back even to when jimmy was in philly minnesota and the way that those 10 years ended and people hated jimmy butler like hated jimmy butler and it, it kind of shows you how much situation matters in the nba too even for a player as good as jimmy butler who's kind of been in this top 15 range for like the last half decade, right? Always kind of in that top 15 area, but to Ron's point, like never like one of the top top five five or six dudes. Right. And so that's definitely been helpful for him, but just coming out of those other uh, situations and then finding the situation in Miami and then going to the Eastern conference finals now three times out of four years, like the winning part does matter, but it is interesting that he hasn't won that ring. And yet he does. It just feels like every fan base wants their own version of Jimmy Butler right now. Yeah, I think they they do want somebody like that on their team, but I don't think he has that same kind of respect or acknowledgement as being the number one player on your team. Like there was the the great performances against the Milwaukee Bucks and then somewhat still very good performances against the Knicks and we're seeing even a lesser version of that against the Celtics and it hasn't really mattered because it's just been a complete total team effort. So I I think there are still pockets of fandom that really don't like Jimmy Butler. He's too brash. He's too cocky. He talks too much. He hasn't really done anything. There's not a lot of accolades there outside of the the personal ones that he's accumulated over the course of his career, the Olympic title, the playoff runs, the all-star defensive selections, et cetera. But he's, I don't think he's viewed by a large portion of fans as a star. Like he doesn't have the marketing yet. He's not, He's not recognized or acknowledged that way. Well, I wanna, so I think that he skirts that kind of criticism that you're bringing up. And, and and look, I mean, that's not to say that I think it's fair, but I remember covering this team during the bubble and everybody hated him. And that was a year after he had left Philadelphia. Right. And there were still pockets of Minnesota fans telling me what a piece of crap he was and what a terrible human being he was. Chicago fans, you know, they never really disliked Jimmy, although he did force his way out of there. Philadelphia fans still saying, "Oh, you know, this is nothing." Yeah, but David, I want to ask. Bubble. I want to ask about like the the the, the national perspective. There's always going to be fans, right? There's always going to be fans who hate one player or the other for any particular. I think media reason, self. Right? I think Max media probably has there. haters, but oh yeah, I, but uh, even media members, I think there are still media members that are supposed to be unbiased and still, I think, look at Jimmy's brash nature and find it uh, unflattering. Or, I'm, or I'm, they just I'm just. Like, I don't. I haven't seen that. Maybe I'm looking at yeah, the wrong. I, I feel like that. Yeah, I. I think that that there's listen, there's so many perspectives out there that that's always going to yeah. exist to some pers- extent, right? Like there is literally no person that people don't have an opinion on anymore. I mean, we were talking about this before we started, but like people are like most Everyone of us, rash, most of us like rational people will see Jalen Brown's quotes after game three and realize that he was crediting the heat. But then you'll have some people who are like convinced, you know, to their dying breath that he disrespected the Miami heat and, you know, deserves to be called out for it. Like there's always going to be, you know, people who are killing some guy for whatever. Right. I do think that Jimmy generally has won people over. I, I think the way he left Minnesota and Philadelphia, that obviously there were, um, 
you know, those were kind of flashlight, high-profile moments in his career. I do think after the bubble, particularly after the finals in 2020, that tide kind of turned. You know, mm-hmm. we we wrote a big story about him in Sports Illustrated about that, and that had a great reception to it. So, you know, I, again, there's always going to be, like, that's just the nature of the internet right. and media coverage and all that stuff um, in our day. Like, there's always going to be a detractor. I, I think... The closest Again, thing to it is, is to me, I, the, the, the corollary is Damian Lillard. That's the other version of this. Yes. And Damian Lillard has zero rings, um, and he has not had nearly – I mean, he's had big moments like Jimmy Butler has, right? But hasn't had that success like Steph and LeBron and these other guys with or obviously even, winning championships. Even, even the playoff success of Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's going to his or third recently. Yeah. conference finals. But, I mean, Dame's been to one. Just one. Um I just think it's like but people love both of those guys because I think they, they, they appreciate the they've maximized the yes, the attitude they've maximized, I think, their capabilities, and that's what people want to see. I also think with Jimmy, and listen, I'm a huge Jimmy fan. I've I've written about him many times, I've been lucky to speak with him a few times. I don't think that he wants the trappings of a star. And you know, he he could have probably signed with Nike, right? I mean, he has a, a lower profile shoe deal. Uh he, he just moves differently than a lot of these superstars also. And to that point, I think he's a, I certainly think he's a great regular season player, but also like, again, the, the thing looming over this heat, especially this year, they were not that good in the regular season, slightly below average, according to their point differential. And beyond that, we see that he is not, he clearly does not approach the regular season in the same way he approaches the playoffs. And I think he's, he's earned that right as a star, Yeah, but that's not, Yo- that Jokic doesn't have that. Um, I don't know if you call it a luxury or a privilege or mindset or whatever, but I mean, Jokic does not do that. Giannis does not do that. And B does not do that. I mean, they- Tatum was 38 and five or something like that in the regular season this year, rightfully earned those MVP votes. So I, to me, it's like, I think, I think Jimmy is properly rated. I think people like him because they know that he's a competitor and that you can win a given playoff series with him. Mm. And they also recognize that he's not necessarily in this caliber of the top four or five players in the NBA. It's like, to me, it's a rare instance of like, Oh, this guy's properly rated and appreciated because he's maximized his talents. I, 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 well, let me, let me, if I can enjoy sorry to cut you off there. I just feel like he has to have those moments that we saw against the bucks in the finals. And I know that you, all of us acknowledge and most of the people listening and watching the show acknowledge that he had those in the Orlando bubble, but because of the context of the bubble, the, the difficulties of life in general at that time period, I think detracted away from a lot of the attention that he should have gotten at that point in time. I think David, if he does it these, now, what are these negative corners of the internet you're lurking in? That is my I, question. I, 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 I think, look, I think, look, people get to be a little bit insulated. I, I like to get other perspectives because I feel it. If you're too focused on what you're covering, the team you're covering or the team that you follow, whatever, you'll only see that and you won't see these other perspectives. I, I think, I don't think people appreciate, I don't think people I think, give a damn about Jimmy Butler outside of like this current playoff run. Like you, you're, you're more casual fans and look, we're all media covering the NBA at large. And so we're, that's, we're invested in this, but I don't think people think about Jimmy Butler in that way. And, and I think, I think they're looking forward to playoff Jimmy. They, they're seeing it now, but they have to see it in the NBA Finals because the NBA Finals attracts 30 fan bases. It attracts 30 fan bases and casual fans outside that don't necessarily watch can basketball I, can I just, as much. I, and I for him to just, shine in those moments, that's when it'll come down to if he shines in those moments in the Finals now, not in the bubble, but now, and then winds up winning a ring, 
then that respect and appreciation will come. I don't think it's there. I think who do you think is not respecting and appreciating him? I, th- I think there are people who think he's he's full of crap. I, I think there are there are people who say these things. And again, what to your point, and I agree. Are we talking about are we talking about fans? Are we want talking me to about... go on Twitter right now specifically? Like any post about Jimmy Butler? I want to I want to put the I want to get this yeah. conversation back on the rails here for a second, and, and then and then we got to go to Brock. But I do think well, no, because. I'm not talking about when I make the point that Jimmy Butler is the most universally appreciated superstar in the NBA. I'm not talking about people on Twitter. I'm not talking about eggs. I'm not talking about fans, like even in bars necessarily. I'm not, and I'm not talking really about overrated or underrated. It's what Rohan was saying before. I'm just talking about you look at a guy whose game is what it is. If he's the 12th best player in the NBA or the eighth best player in the NBA, I'm not really talking about that right now. I'm just talking about his game being what it is. There's not a place where people poke holes in his game or really to Roland's point earlier, even in the resume, because he doesn't have those kinds of expectations that the top three players in the NBA kind of tend to have. I'm just talking about like, we love how this guy plays. Mm-hmm. You don't have people being like, I hate watching Jimmy Butler play basketball. You just, it, people love to watch Jimmy Butler play basketball where Joel Embiid, it's like the flopping all the time, the falling sure. over after every touch of his skin. Um, even like, I would say Steph Curry doesn't really have those detractors anymore, right. but earlier in his career, it was like he's just a jump shooter, right? I think people have come around on the Steph thing. LeBron James, people just can't stand that guy so much off the court that they don't like watching him on the court. Sometimes. People literally like tweet LeFraud at him, like, yeah, no matter what he does. Like, I just, yeah, I listen, I, we, you know, I, I agree with Wes's original point that he's very universally appreciated. I just think it comes down to the fact that he is, um, you know, it's all relative to expectation, right? And he, he doesn't, He's not playing under the weight of expectation of some of his contemporaries. And whether that's fair or unfair, I think is something that conversation might change after this year, for example. Like people are going to expect it now. People are going to expect this every year in the playoffs, right? Now he's cultivated this playoff Jimmy persona. So I think Good this point. Year, if he keeps doing this and the Heat just keep doing this or and, and don't win a championship, if they just keep making it far and not win, eventually those detractors will come and be like, okay, like, that's not like that's that's nice that you keep yeah. going to the Eastern Conference Finals, but eventually you got to win a ring. It's an interesting point. Um, speaking of expectations, Eric Spolstra is he finally getting the praise that he deserves, and why he, he's been so against talking schemes with the media? <laughs> We're gonna talk about that next. The first day with all listeners about the game time. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guaranteed so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets, and you'll find everything you're looking for if you're in town for a work function or something like that. You want to go catch a game or co-catch a concert near you. You just log on to Game Time. It's super easy to use, and you look exactly at where you'll be sitting. You find the tickets you want at the price you want, and you can see an image of where you'll be sitting, so you know exactly where it'll be, and then whatever venue you choose, it's so convenient. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA, and you get twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm gonna try to use Game Time uh, in a few weeks to try to get SZA tickets. She's playing at Kaseya Center, and those the first the first round were pretty expensive, so we'll see. $20 off. It could help. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day, we'll be back tomorrow with a recap of Game 4. The biggest difference uh, so far in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, has been Eric Spolstra. Of all the matchups, 
The gap between the two coaches, between Spo and Joe Mazzullo, I think has been the biggest, bigger than the difference between Jimmy Butler and Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum, bigger than the difference between Bam and bigger than Gabe Jalen Vincent Brown. And Steph Curry, you sure? Bigger than the difference between Gabe Vincent and Marcus Smart. Um, look, I think bigger than the difference between the Heat's regular season shooting and three point shooting in this series. Does we, Dave and I were having this conversation? How much uh, of just Eric Spolstra in general has anything to do with the three point? Like the three point shooting has been a big deal, but I'm talking about mm-hmm. in this series how much Spo has just coached circles around John Joe Mazzulla, and we can even broaden this conversation to the playoffs and how it is that the Heat are even in this position as the eighth seed. Um, Ron, you had a funny interaction with Spo this morning. Uh, he did not want to answer your question about zone Which defense. Which was completely legitimate. I was, so I was, okay, let's get into this because today's right. press availability was like bordering on disaster the entire time. Um, the questions people were asking just terrible, like making me angry, clearly upsetting the sometimes the asking players, uh, coaches. Asking non-questions, just saying words to Spo, and then Spo not realizing that it was a question because it wasn't, and then yeah, yeah, he's just baffling questions being asked by some of the people there, and it then it like reflects poorly on all of us. So I was like, let me, I was like, let me get this back on track and ask an actual question about something that's happening as it relates to basketball in yeah. the NBA playoffs. Thinking that an NBA coach might want to speak about that, so I asked Spo today if he knows before the game, if he's going to play zone or if that's something that he decides during game. And so was like, so was like, Oh, we're talking two different languages here. Like I know you guys want to get in the schemes, but you know, this is all about competitive will. I, it's like, he's getting paid. It's like, he has a bet with someone. How many times can I say competitive will in this press conference? <laughs> Am I getting paid by the competitive will mention? He gets a bonus. If he hits a hundred competitive wills by the end, <laughs> listen, I respect it. He's locked in. He doesn't want to take away the focus from what he wants to focus on. That's what coaches do. You know, it's our job to kind of work and finesse around that. That's that's part of the dance you're doing there. But yes, he's he's very reluctant to talk about scheme right now. There's no question he's, about it. I don't think it's now though. That, that seems like an ongoing thing. Yes, he's been doing it for a while. Certainly. And he, that's the thing too. It's like I mean, not to defend him or to necessarily put you on the spot, but it's just like he's asked about zone when it comes up during the course of the last few seasons. Uh, when he started implementing it more, I can't recall exactly when that was, but I, it just seems like it's just been used more and more over the last few seasons. Positively, it's been working. But then when he's asked about it, he always tried. At first, he would, you know, answer it politely and you know, explain it to some degree, but almost always using the explanation. It doesn't really matter what we're doing schematic. It's all about effort, intensity, et cetera. So after the 85th millionth time that he's answered it in the same way, Sorry, you just happened to be the victim of that. I thought it was a legit question, and he was asking. Of course, it is. They're always legitimate. When you're asking about specific question, and he was asked a similar question in pregame before game three, and it was the same. And he just he. Oh, is that the one he says? I don't. I don't like what you're getting at, or I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't know what you're getting at, but with a scowl on his face, so it might as well then I hate you. Uh, And so it was like, (laughs) it's so interesting. I thought Rohan, I thought that was a very fair question. I thought it was a very relevant to the to the series at hand. And if scheme doesn't matter, and I'm I'm calling BS on Spo because if scheme doesn't matter, then he he wouldn't be calling zone. Matters. Yes, yes, yes. He knows. (laughs) He wouldn't be using it. Come on, they've used more zone than any team like in the last 25 years this season. And it it only works because they're trying hard, though. That's yeah, it won them game three. I mean, obviously, you have to marry execution to scheme, right? It's not all about, right? You know, you can't, there's no perfect coverage in the NBA, otherwise, every team would run it. 
but like they won game three because of zone. I, I think that's what's been interesting about this series. They've won or game two rather. They've won every yeah. game in a different way. Game two, they go zone in the fourth quarter. Boston, you know, can't score offensively. Even Miami's offense hits a lull. They're able to get stops. Game three, we barely see any zone. You know, they won in a completely different way. They just shot them out of the building. So right. that's why I thought it was interesting. You know, they didn't have to use it in their last game. So did, was he going in thinking he was going to like, it's just, you know, well, can we, we, can yeah, we go ahead. Wes. Uh, you, you hit on something there. That's really interesting is how the heat keep shape shifting and, and finding different ways to win games. This series in these, this playoff run, it's how they got to this point. They just keep right. changing the way it is that they go about winning basketball mm-hmm. games and they keep winning basketball games. And I think Spo is absolutely in his bag right now. He is dominant as a head coach. And that is not a word that we use when discussing coaching in the NBA, but it is, he is dominating these matchups and, and and you feel it when you're, when you're paying attention to what it is that's actually happening schematically or even, and he does get credit for this, getting his team to play harder. You talked about zone winning the game in game two for the heat. It was the heat playing harder when the Celtics gave up and folded, which is what won them the game in game three. And I think Spo gets a lot of credit for that, for, for establishing that workplace environment and getting the most out of his, out of his players. And so just what have you thought about Spo's ability to kind of shape shift and find different ways to win and just his coaching job in general in these playoffs and how it is that the heat got to this point? Yeah. I mean, I think he's all obviously always at a high level, right? I, I think that his, to me, his most impressive coaching jobs are always when he has less talent or when guys are out and he has to make something work. To me, that's always more fun to watch. You know, that happens a lot in the regular season. I think my favorite game from this entire regular season uh, was in November when they played the Wizards, that game that went to overtime. Jimmy was out. Bam was out. That was the first time we got extended Orlando Robinson minutes. We saw a lot of Haywood that night. Kyle was a healthy guy. And they just had to junk up that game and find a way to win. You know, it's very difficult in the playoffs. I think Spoh obviously a fantastic coach, and he's fantastic at all the elements of it, right? Motivation, confidence, scheme, attention to detail, preparation. You know, there are some coaches who are good at some aspects. Spo, you know, he knows when to use his challenges. Like, all the little things, we what we can observe and what we cannot observe, he seems to be good at. Um, I, I do think – I agree, Wes. I think he's done a great job, but again – you know, to, to my point earlier, it's like that only that only works if the execution is able to marry with what he's calling. Right. Yes. And that means Caleb Martin has to step up. That means Gabe Vincent has to be shooting all these pull up threes. Now, again, I think Spose fostered an environment where those players can thrive. That doesn't always happen. So it's it's obviously a very symbiotic relationship to use a Spoism, synergistic even. Um but, but they shot thirty percent against yeah. the Knicks from three, you know, right. and they but, still and, and won that, that series. But, for sure, but, yeah, but they won the series. And, and look, and, and Thibodeau, yeah, I mean, yeah. But how much of that was based on coaching versus, as Rowan's pointing out, the execution on the players to be it's able impossible to, still to do. It's impossible it's to know. Right. You can't quantify. It's all the same thing. That's the thing. But it's my like, point like, is, Spo has put his his team in position to where if the threes aren't like the three point shooting is the story for the Heat in these playoffs when you when you kind of. Uh, take the, yes. the large sample here, but it, it feels like when he's going up against any other coach in the, in, in these playoffs, that coach has like a plan, a maybe a plan B. And at that point, if those things don't work out, that team loses the game where every time Spo comes into these games, if plan A doesn't work and if plan B doesn't work, he's got a plan C, a plan yeah. D uh, and he's, he's just got different 
he's just he's got I I said in his bag for a reason. He just keeps th- bringing yeah. stuff out. You know, he's just got different but tools. Uh, even more than the out. the different things that he's throwing out there, I think it's the thing that's been building slowly over the last couple of seasons, especially these iterations of Jimmy Butler led teams. Yeah. Is as you spoke to the empowering of everybody on that roster, the the yeah. belief, the internal belief that he's helped establish that Jimmy and Bam have helped create that UD still continues to you know add to in that locker room, just understanding that when you're called, you have an opportunity. And I think that's something you don't see on a lot of teams. You see the yo-yoing of Grant Williams minutes, et cetera. You know, you see that with teams all over and in Miami. Yeah, you have it, but I think there's a clear line of communication. And as adults, as professionals, those players in that locker room respect the fact that those lines of communications are open. And again, there's a positivity, uh, a just support, and an understanding that if you're going to get an opportunity, you go and make the most of it. And I think that's real. I think that's his be- the best thing that he's done is I'm those little it. things that he adds over the course of a season, not just changing scheme and everything else. And David, it's such doesn't a matter, Rowan. It, it's such a good scheme doesn't matter. It's such a good point, David. And I want to ask you this because it's something that I've started to pick up on probably this week or it's Monday, the last few days. Um, uh, do you notice that that confidence is at a different level that you're talking that all that stuff that you're talking about, the energy, the positive vibes, whatever yeah. you want to call it, it feels different than it did in the playoffs last year, doesn't Absolutely. it? Yeah, and certainly even more than it did over the regular season when there were just like oh, searching yeah, no doubt. For questions. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of feeds itself as, as so much of life does. Like you're, you're you're winning, but you're winning because you have confidence, and with every win, you gain right. more confidence, right. and it kind of feeds itself. And so we're seeing kind of get to this point where yeah. they're playing their best basketball as the playoffs have continued to progress because they've needed to, like they're just, they're steamrolling yeah. one of the best teams in the league. Right. And, and yeah, you could say they, they took advantage of Milwaukee, but they took advantage of Milwaukee without Giannis. And I know that's an excuse that a lot of heat fans don't want to hear, but I mean, it's a very real thing They they were missing a top three player that he might've been a lesser version of himself during those five games that they played Miami. And, and still they've just continued to get better, they built feeling on. more confident. And, and it's just amazing to be able to witness like players that that don't have the quote unquote talent that that may have been in and out yeah. of rotations, Duncan like Robinson, Caleb Martin's, yeah. Caleb, yeah, Duncan Robinson here in Miami, but Caleb Martin was basically out of the league until apparently Jay Cole calls Karab Butler and gets us and gets him a spot on the on the roster. If not for if not for that connection to Karab Butler, who knows? We wouldn't maybe they wouldn't have won Game Three. So I, you know, it's just it's unbelievable to think that all these players continue to find a way. To contribute, and you never know who it's going to be on a night-to-night basis. Right. It could be Jimmy, it could be Bam, it could be a combination of those players. Because I think that's been Miami's key to success over the playoffs. And now the Heat are a game away from advancing to the NBA Finals and extending this postseason run, meaning one Tyler Hero could be back with the Heat mm-hmm. in time for those finals. The Heat's decision on what to do with him could determine who wins the championship. We're going to talk about that next. First, David, tell listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix and their million-dollar daily super flex. Every day of the NBA playoffs and up to the finals, one PrizePix user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. You can place an entry after 8 a.m. Eastern, and they'll be randomly selected each day, and whoever places that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. You get six correct picks, a million dollars. Five correct picks gets 80 grand. Four correct picks gets you $16,000. You can find full details over at prizepix.com millions. And you have to opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. And playing daily fantasy sports has never been easier. It's just you versus the projections. You pick two to six players. If they go and score more or less than those prize pick projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's no competing against other people, just you versus the numbers. And prize picks offers projections on any 
any sport, the NBA, Major League Baseball, men's and women's college sports, European sports, disc golf, cricket, and so much more. So right now, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com, sign up, and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users get a 100% instant deposit match when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. You get deposit 100 bucks. Price picks will give you 100 bucks. So if you deposit 50, price picks will give you 50, but only if you enter the promo code locked on by downloading the price picks app or going to pricepicks.com today. I can bet on cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Who's your favorite cricket player? Who's the Do most universally appreciated cricket player? Oh, you oh just gosh. No, there's way, way too much tribalism to have a universally appreciated. Yeah, we don't. Um, we don't need to. David is going to be like pulling up receipts on Virat Kohli and be like, "Oh, oh, oh. I, I, watch I, saw our this, I saw this, you know, <laughs> Chennai King, Super Kings fan tweet this about Kohli the other night, and I don't know. Um, no, I just sorry, saw I, I saw something like a while ago, like like people were discussing like the the widespread appeal of LeBron James and like his his Twitter or Instagram following or something like that, and it was like paltry compared to like the superstar oh, of course players. yeah yeah um, huge. what is i know you guys want to talk about something i just want to ask real quick because we were joking about this before we started what do you think has been the more stupid storyline throughout this series people like <laughs> at least the weather i tweeted the weather at tip off last night <laughs> at least no one's brought up the weather this time what's been more annoying people like trying to come at jalen brown for saying that like Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent are in fact not 70% uh, shooters or people just being upset like every day apparently religiously checking which I've never even seen cited before I've never seen uh, used in any legitimate context before ESPN's analytics in terms of who's <laughs> going to win the series like what is a more stupid storyline that is for some reason persisting because I think both Great are question. so incredibly dumb you guys you guys are acting like you, you don't I, I know about the professionalism and unbiased nature of reporters, but the same, you guys are acting like you've never been fans that feel like it's us against the world, right? <laughs> I, I get it. I get like it. You're, you're coming from this moral high horse of journalism, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, where were you in 2010, where everybody was saying LeBron was a, you know, a, a, a you know, what? He, all the insults that they were were. Well, that's the thing. Those direction. are those are. It's different. When, they were valid at that point in time, or invalid no, at that point. In time? That it's way different when people are making. You don't, you don't think that the Heat fans someone. have a right to feel disrespected when 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 ESPN's no, they numbers were say there's a three percent chance. They were, a, they were, but they're using the regular annoying. season. Isn't that a part of the difference? Though, is that they're using the regular season as opposed to this postseason anomaly that Miami has become? And maybe they. Well, just, you just said it, anomaly. Yeah, okay, so then they shouldn't it. publicize the maybe they shouldn't publicize the numbers. It's like, oh, according to our regular season statistical analysis, they have a three percent three percent chance of advancing past. But the like, once but, you put it in that context, I don't see what the big deal is. It's just like there's a big. But difference they don't between- they don't put it in that context. Though. All they see is three percent chance. And again, we were talking about this too. I I, I agree with your point I, to a certain extent. I, I think that ESPN when they put out the ninety seven versus the three percent thing, they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> right, they know what they're doing. Right. They're trying that's to get a rise out of social that media. Social media graphic knew what they were doing. Right. Their yes. their analytics model, I'm sure, is sound. Right, like, their analytics model is based on even if you include what's happened in the playoffs, it's such a smaller sample size versus right. the bigger sample that it probably wouldn't affect right the larger sample in the first place. Now, I am not a mathematician that has been well established. On and I say this is someone who but, picked the Heat to win this series. Like I, yeah. I have no truck. With ESPN, you pick up the winner in three, though, Ron, because it's not, it doesn't count. It, 
comparing the like one analytics model tweet to like the vitriol that the national media had for LeBron and like the racial undertones, like no, one was not justified, but that's that's in a completely different element where of course people had a right to be upset about that, more specifically him. But this is like people like every day are tweeting out the new analytics numbers, and it's like who cares? <laughs> Just watch the games. It's a dumb storyline. It was like last year with the winning and the losing of the quarters and how many each team won and lost. And it was like, why is this now? Like to your point, like when did we ever keep track of how many quarters a team won in a series? And now that's all of a sudden a thing. Um, I, I don't know where all this stuff comes from. It's just talking points. And in this hashtag content era, we're all, all we're trying to do is find talking points. We just did a whole episode of Jimmy Butler talking points because we need content. Like that's how it is. It's how it mm-hmm. operates. But um, I, I think like the parsing of the post game quotes is what drives me is what drives yeah. me. To, to think that you're going to glean anything valuable from a post game quote in the first place to me is insane. And then when a player actually just says something and all, all you do is read it in an article or probably not even because people don't click on no. articles anymore read it on Twitter or something. And you're like, well, obviously this guy hates Miami, probably hates the state of Florida <laughs> and has a death w- and just has like a hit list of everybody in the organization. Like, it's just, what are we even doing? What are we even talking about? Right. It doesn't what matter. Bo- what bothers me about that is people are always like, we want players to be honest. We love players who are competitive until it's a post game press conference. Then it's like, you need to go up there and humble yourself to the degree that will make right. me happy. Otherwise it's like, it's like, Nothing would have saved Jalen Brown unless he was like, Gabe Vincent is better than me, the Miami Heat. And then beyond that, people nope, are like, shouldn't be talking about individual right. players. You gotta be like, right. you know what? They you gotta tip your hat to right, them. Right. You, know, you gotta you needed yeah. that the tip the hat at to him. And then, uh, and then and another that's thing that's that you awesome. never get in trouble if you tip your right. hat towards another, another player. Thing that's just silly never. to me is people are like, Heat are being disrespected. And it's like this is either the most inexplicable run of all time, and it's a fairy tale story, and it's magical and it's cool. Or you guys like, or people thought you were better than Boston and Milwaukee this whole time, and in which case, like, to you know, stop, yes. don't act like it's a magical eight seed inexplicable run. It can't be both. <laughs> it has to be one. You either been disrespected, Correct. you can't have or, both, or you were the favorite, but you can't be like, where we told you so, but also, you know, it's like just just they, they, the Heat were not. Nobody's disrespected the Miami Heat by making them the number eight seed. They earned the number eight seed, right? <laughs> right. That's the seed that they earned. Yeah. Uh, you can't have both. It's such a good point. Like, this can't be the first time this has ever happened. And it's magical. And what a ride and what a great story this is. And also, but you can't disrespect the Miami <laughs> right. Heat also. You can't have no, it both ways. I and I would rather have the great story. I don't even think they were disrespected as much as people were like, we saw for a very long time that this team was <laughs> – just okay <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. how many podcasts did we do during the year that we were like well this season has been so frustrating <laughs> like yeah. remember we did the one before they, they were like chicago and detroit back to back and i was yeah. like Wes, i'm expecting them to lose both these games and like i think they get like blown out by chicago and like lose in detroit like remember that like yeah that happened that existed that was and you do have people and you have people that say that you were doubting them and yet they lost those games <laughs> yes they did lose a lot of games in the regular season. It wasn't doubting. It was just telling you what it is. Charlotte we down the stretch. Remember Charlotte down the yeah, stretch? Like, I think they lost like, twice, didn't they? Right. And it's like, I'm not I'm not killing the guys for it. We we I thought we handled it with nuance then, but it's the same team. It's the same yes. team. It's just you can't like, have can, both can, ways. I you can't, can I piggyback on this and just say please. that I I I hate 
how the word uh, narrative has been included now to become like an insult now. Like you're, nobody can determine exactly where their narratives are good or whether it's <laughs> yeah, bad. Right, right, right. <laughs> and everybody's picking at these storylines, which are, you know, in essence, narratives. And yet they choose to hang to that. But at the same time, they use narrative as like an insult to say, oh, yeah. all these narratives destroying what we're talking about. It's I. I the use of narrative has right. become so narrative is not like creative a... short storytelling. Yeah, narratives right. come about for a reason. Just if you replace <laughs> narratives with trends, yeah. people would have less of a problem yeah. with that. We should just start using the word. Trends but it is it is funny to, like how narrative can be used in so yeah. many different ways depending on your <laughs> yeah. mood at the moment. It's just been funny yeah. to me. Like I just wish people like enjoyed it more. And and again, I think David, you yes. know, you're right. Like we were all fans. That's why we got into this industry. I'm not trying to look down on fans. Certainly. It just it makes me sad for them a little far. bit that you're not just like enjoying it more. Like this is such a you can't cool, just magical, you can't just enjoy watching your team win. You have to lash out and attack. And, and I, I, I just say this as someone who like I would listen. I grew up a huge Heat fan. That's not a secret. But as someone who's like now gets the privilege of covering the NBA in the way that I do, I just love watching good basketball players do cool stuff. Like yeah. I'm people see me tweet about the Nuggets all the time. People joke that I'm a Celtics fan on Twitter. Like. I don't mind just because I like watching good basketball. I just enjoy good basketball. It's such I'm a, it's a good place to be. I just want to see people enjoy it more. That's it. So to follow right, up on that, to, to answer your question as a worst storyline, it's ratings. That's the that's the worst. Oh yes, yes, yes. It's the the, the, final <laughs> the worst. The terrible ratings up ahead yeah, if Denver and yeah. Miami meet in the finals. Yeah, yeah that's that's the worst story. Well, that's if 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 Miami does make the finals, there's a chance that they could get Tally Hero back for that uh, series. Uh, Eric Spolster hinting that we're going to get a Tyler Hero update on Tuesday. I think promising um, even. I think promising, he goes so far yeah. to say he, yeah. uh, he dangled, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be more. Yeah. I don't understand Spell. He won't talk scheme, but all of a sudden he's happy to share injury <laughs> updates with <laughs> injury us all update, of a sudden. Guys. Yeah, that was not <laughs> a thing in the past. Today, the, the best part about today was uh, the Heat PR saying we don't have an update on Kevin Love's status. <laughs> and 30 seconds later, Spell saying he's going to be probable tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's why they didn't game. they didn't have the status yet until it spoke yeah, yeah, delivered to everybody yeah. they, they find out what we find out that's yeah. basically how it is <laughs> um all right so thank you for including the kevin love update because i did skip yes. it wrong so now that's he's probable for game four tuesday night uh but in terms of cramps right in terms cramps, of Tyler hero you know it was unclear if he said he said it felt like a cramp i like one thing they actually did a good job of was obfuscating what actually happened he was like, it felt like a cramp. I believe they're calling it when you a look at what happened when you when they're calling it a strain. And when you I think because that's because I guess cramps don't last that long. Like you just right. can't if you were cramping this long, you should probably be in the emergency room. But like it, it when you watch it in the game, like three minutes into the game, he just sort of came up after right. a jump. He, I mean, he missed the mid range right jumper. Now. He came. To, yeah. And it was just like, OK, so yeah. uh, he said he had been feeling it and dealing with it. And he asked to come out and then he played five minutes and then that was it. So um, it sounds like he's going to play. I but really would like to talk about Tyler Hero, guys. I know, I know, I know. He's I, probably just, he's gonna play. Is I think he, you we're think fine. He'll now. Start? You think he'll start? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm not. Good. It sounds like there's absolutely no concern with Kevin Love. Yeah, right he now. looked good. Nothing on his leg today. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk about Tyler Hero now. Yeah, do it. Thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> Hero. Barry Jackson said there was a contraption yeah. on Kevin Love's yeah. leg, though. He did say there. He we're, tweeted that out. We're wheeling and dealing here today, you know, Wes. This is this is what you know what I mean. We're just. But please go ahead. If Kevin Love doesn't play <laughs> on Tuesday night, I'll eat crow on it. But He's right now, I really – Literally <laughs> eat crow or just figuratively? I'll let you figure that one out. Yeah. Um, All right. <laughs> 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 it, 
If Tyler Hero comes back for the finals, should they start him or bring him off the bench? They got to bring him off the bench. To me, it's no question they got to bring him off the bench. And I think you even have a quick hook. Uh, To me, he's not the easiest player to work into your rotation. And I think there's going to be a conversation after this year, whether he comes back in the finals or not, about whether this team is at its best with him on the floor. I certainly think – I don't think Tyler Hero is a bad player, but there's something to be said about – we've heard – how many times have we heard now? And I don't think this is any kind of, you know – in uh indictment on Tyler in any way. But how many times have we heard through the postseason now the coaches from the Heat, or I guess Eric Spolstra, or the players on the Heat discuss, oh, things are so easy. There's so much clarity on offense because we're just playing through Jimmy and Bam. Think about how many times Jimmy's isolating more than ever before. He's playing out of the pick and roll more than ever before. We're seeing Bam isolate way more often, getting the ball in the post way more often. Can that happen if Tyler Hero's starting with them? Because he's the kind of player that if he's going to be on the floor, in order for him to be effective, he kind of needs the ball in his hands to a degree. You know, he's not James Harden or Russell Westbrook. He's not obviously dominating possessions, but he's not really the kind of person you just have stand in a corner. He's going to need the ball in his hands. You know, his best attribute, people would say, is, is creating his own shot. But then that comes with his defensive liabilities. Teams are going to attack him. And, you know, teams attack guys like Duncan and Struess. They have a little bit more length. Um, they don't have quite as much offensive responsibility, so I think it might be some, at times easier for them to lock in on that end of the floor. Struess has been fantastic defensively in the playoffs. Um, I would write about it, except I wrote about it last year, so I feel kind of silly doing it again. But I think he's been incredible. It's just funny. His college coach was like, I was begging this guy to play defense. Now here he is yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh guarding Jason Tatum one-on-one. So I don't think you can take a chance with hero into the starting lineup because it just upsets the apple cart so much. I don't, I don't think it's worth the risk. He was, he was publicly campaigning to be a starter dating back to the end of last season. And then Mm -hmm. he gets the contract extension. And that was the big thing is everybody knew it was the most well-known secret in in Miami at that point. Tyler hero was going to start. There was never a a competition. Mm -hmm. They kept saying it was open competition and training. It wasn't. You're paying this guy $30 million a year. You're starting him. And I thought, I, I look, I defended it, and I still think it was the right decision because in order to elevate your offense to a level where it wasn't in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, I thought you needed to figure that out. How could those three, Tyler and, and Jimmy and Bam, coexist? But I do think there's something to be said about, like, the Heat for, for a couple of years have been trying to make Tyler Hero a little bit more Clay Thompson-y, Duncan Robinson-y, where he is kind of running around the arc and, and spacing the floor that way. But to your point, like, he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to kind of get into those mid-range looks and those he wants to do pick and, and roll. like that. Mm-hmm. He wants to do pick and roll. And, and that's, there's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to be clear that every player should want to do that. And there's been moments in these playoffs where the Heat have needed Tyler Hero and, and missed Tyler Hero. Um, but as a starter, he just doesn't space the floor as much as Max Struess or Duncan Robinson, who just spend all of their time beyond the arc and don't really need the ball in their hands until they get it and they're shooting it. So. Um, I, I think there's something to be said about that. The other part of it too, is that it's now allowed like Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio, not for the offense only to run through them, but them to also just take more shots. Mm-hmm. And in the regular season, I don't know that that matters as much when, when Jimmy's coasting a little bit, but in the playoffs, it definitely matters. So when you do bring them back, if you are able to bring them back, depending on what this update is going to be and what the timeline, uh, the new timeline is, um, I think you have to bring them off the bench. And by the way, that could be very useful coming off the yeah. bench, right? That could still be very useful, but in terms of whether or not he's starting, or coming off the bench. I think it's pretty clear. And now that you've made it this far, it's easier to sell it, right? Hey, you're coming off this hand injury. We've made it this far. We're not going to rock the boat too much. Just come off the bench. 
get these minutes and and we're going to keep the good times rolling hopefully i don't think you bring him off the bench i don't think you play him at all even if he's healthy wow he did it he did straight face too david is unmoved right now Go no, I, I just I think look at the look at what the bench units have done. I mean, the sharing of the ball, the defensive presence that they're bringing, the balance on the rotations, everything that they've done, like to all tying on all the points that we're making. Tyler changed that too dramatically, and like you can invest in that over the course of an eighty-two game season, where there'll be ups and downs, and he's productive and everything else, and you can kind of figure out how to tweak it. But you can't do that in the midst of a playoff run. Like, who? Uh, look, he is a break glass in case of emergency option. Mm. If they, he wind up advancing to the finals and they're down in the same situation where Boston is right now, and they need to figure out something because their offense has been stifled for whatever reason against the Denver Nuggets. You know, again, presumably if the Denver Nuggets wind up advancing to the finals, so I, I think you, you just can't take that chance. And and I hate to say it because Tyler was a big part of why they're here in the first place. Like he was, he had a great season and, and that's not to take anything away from that, but his role is too significant. And does it fit so seamlessly? You're saying <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I meant, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's okay, a good point. They might've been yeah, out of the yeah. playoffs altogether. If not for Tyler. Yeah. No, no, he's it's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. I just, I, I agree to an extent, David, that you have to be very – I think we're, we're all on the same page. You have to be very careful with it. Yeah. And I will say that for Tyler, I know it's tough, and I know these guys, I think a lot of people think that, oh, you know, X player wants to play because they're selfish. One thing when you're around, like, team sports that you realize a lot is these guys just want to help their team win. Like, they, will, they just really, really, really want to help their team win, and they believe that their presence can help do that, which is why it's so important to them. I will say that if Goran Dragic can come off the bench, if Kyle Lowry, a champion, can accept a bench role, yeah. you know, I think that there's there's plenty of, you know, built-in um, credibility for Spo to put Tyler back on the bench, and maybe you let him run with that second unit that started second quarters and see if he adds a little something there. Maybe he gets Jimmy Butler an extra minute of rest or two here or there. But I, I you know, I think if he does play, it's going to be closer to something like Kevin Love's minutes than. Yeah. Um, what, what you've seen, you know, with him in the past, but I agree. I think we're all on the same page that you, you just have to be very cautious. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll, we'll find out what the uh, exact timeline is uh, on Tuesday. By the time people are hearing this, they might already know what that timeline is, but uh, game four is tonight. Thanks again for making lockdown heat your first listen every day, every day is we're going to be back tomorrow with a recap of game four. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your podcast app. Thanks so much for listening in. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Anytime, guys.